we all have questions. Questions about faith, relationships, beliefs, politics, social issues, our planet, and God. Where do you go when you're done with cliches and starving for the conversation to ascend? What do you do when you're struggling to find connection within your community, within your church? Join us, Lauren, Danielle, and Jason, to connect, discuss relevant topics, and try to navigate living in the tension of everyday life as Jesus followers. This is The Outsiders Podcast. Before we start this episode, I want to let our listeners know that we're going to be having a conversation around sex and purity culture. Because of the way sex and purity culture has been talked about in the Christian context, we want to give a trigger warning to our listeners. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Outsiders Podcast. I'm Lauren and I am joined by my co-hosts, Danielle and Jason. How are you guys doing today? Hey. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I'm pretty sure you say hey the same way every single episode. And you're welcome. I'm doing well, except, um, so I don't know if anyone knows this, I'm from the blessed city of Chicago. And we actually say that we have a football team, except they fail to show up sometimes. Yeah. And so um, as as a lifelong Bears fan, um, a little little bummed out. The Bears are, are kind of sucking right now, but you know. Right whatever. now. Okay, hold on there, Patriot. Uh, how what how how are the Patriots doing now that you bring it up? Not good. Okay. <laughs> Except we did beat the Ravens. Uh, I did this saw, weekend. Yeah, I saw so that. so <laughs> that's, that, that's good. good. But the Bears suck. So, but whatever. I'm good. At least you had eighty five. That's. <laughs> That's right, 85. <laughs> we all go back to that. Yeah. Danielle, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm tired, um, in all honesty. It's a, it's not a it's not a fun time to be in healthcare right now. So mm. yeah. I am here and uh hoping to have a good conversation with you guys tonight. Oh, for sure. I we feel will. like we should give a shout out to I mean, we we are surrounded by like a healthcare community. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. At the time that we are recording this episode, there's just a lot going on. And so I am just so thankful for people in healthcare. Absolutely. Because yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, no. And here in Ohio, like our numbers are through the roof, yeah. off the charts. I think we set a new record this week for positives. And so, yeah, all the healthcare providers, we definitely need to be praying for them and be supportive, not just say, like, yes, we pray for them, but how can we be family for them and be supportive of them? When you said our numbers are going up in Ohio, I just had to bite my tongue real hard <laughs> because of the reasons yeah. our numbers are going up. But anyways, so, that's thank not you. what we're here That's a different episode. Thank, yeah. Yeah. thank you, Danielle, for showing up and just being part of this community. We really appreciate it. In case you. anyone's wondering, we are six feet apart. We are. So there's that. <laughs> All right. So last week we talked about stereotypes about Christians. And in the conversation, we talked about how Christians can miss the point sometimes when it comes to Christian living and culture, um, which is what inspired us to have this mini series that we're calling Somewhere in Between. So in this series, we're going to talk about a few things that aren't talked a lot about or in our conversation today, uh, we actually talk really only about one side most of the time, um, which has created a very toxic environment and conversations about sex. So let's talk about sex. Baby, let's talk. No? Okay. <laughs> so I think 
the first question we want to address um, in talking about sex and purity culture is really what is purity culture for people who may or may not have heard this term thrown around. Mm -hmm. And so Lauren found um, this book by Linda K. Klein, and it's called Pure, Inside the Evangelical Movement That Shamed a Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. And so uh, there was a quote in the book that just kind of summarizes purity culture or the term of purity culture. And it says, in general, this term purity culture is associated with the American evangelical Christian purity movement that started in the early 1990s. In purity culture, gender expectations are strict and stereotypical. Men are expected to be strong, masculine leaders of the household, church, and to a lesser extent, society. Women are expected to support them, to be pretty, feminine, sweet, supportive wives and mothers. Sexual expectations vary by gender. Everyone is expected to maintain total sexlessness before marriage. In other words, no sexual thoughts, feelings, or actions. And upon marriage are expected to flip their sexuality on like a light switch. Girls and women learn that their bodies are impure, while boys and men learn that their minds are impure. Like, Do you guys remember any sort of you know, youth pastor or you know, speaker coming into your school or to your church to talk about this? Um, but I specifically remember, and I was relatively new to a, a private Christian school. I had gone to public school and then I started going to a private Christian school. And and this guy comes in one day and, you know, we're all like in the gym and he's getting ready to talk to us about sex, but we don't really know that. And he shows this, this like red rose and it's like beautiful and it's all, you know, nice and put together. And he talks about the beauty of the rose and he smells the rose and he's just like, oh, isn't it great? Everyone just, just take in the beauty, like pass it around, right? Like everyone experience this rose. And, and, you know, we're just like naive little high school kids. So, you know, we all pass it around and, you know, we're smelling and doing whatever. But then, you know, his whole point is at the end, the rose comes back up to the stage and he holds it up for everyone to see. And he's like, look at this rose. It's broken and destroyed. And if you have sex, <laughs> you will turn out like this. I specifically remember him saying, like, who wants this rose? Who wants to actually look or be someone like this, like broken and used and destroyed? And, you know, everyone's just like, what? And if I were to hear that now, I would, I would shout, Jesus, Jesus wants that rose. Um, and so just this whole idea of purity culture, I think, was really kind of drilled into our heads in the 90s and 2000s. Not only that, but like very fear-based. Oh, for sure. You know, and, and shameful and like, who would want this broken rose? Like that that that's what you could bring to a relationship and all that sort of stuff instead of just like having a conversation with a very different tone. Right. Well, and that certain actions lead to your identity mm -hmm. um, and choices can lead to your identity. And it was also, you know, in, in uh, I think it was, I don't actually remember when the book came out. Uh, maybe you guys do. But Joshua Harris's I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And I remember when I was first starting out, I, I started to, to be a, a pastor in 2004. And then I started teaching dating and relationships classes for, for high school students in 2006. And um, like I received a decent amount of pressure from parents or administrators uh, even uh, one pastor in the community I specifically remember was like, you need to be teaching the kids this book. And so I was like, okay, I picked it up and started reading it like a lot of people. And I was like, dude, this, 
this is such a terrible idea. Like I, I hate this book. Like this is awful. And anyway, so this whole idea of kissing, dating goodbye and being pure and not thinking anything remotely sexual was, was really kind of drilled down for a while. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the, the stigma surrounding this topic has very much led to a culture where we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. I think that some of the don't talk about it and sweep it under the rug mentality comes from the fact that parents and other adult role models don't want to feel like they're encouraging or condoning certain behavior. Um, And I think it's important to note that educating young people and being willing to have healthy conversations doesn't mean you're saying like, go get it on. (laughs) You know, like growing up in public school, we started having sex ed as like a part of gym class every year in grade seven. So by the time I graduated high school, I'd had five years of like thorough education. Well, even now, like within our community, um, I still teach sex ed to fifth graders. And where I lived Mm -hmm. in California, like that's just a part of the the curriculum. For whatever reason... I'm always asked, hey, teach the fifth graders sex ed. I mean, to the boys, right? We, we split them up. But the point is, yeah, we start teaching and talking about this in right. fifth grade. And I think it's probably more common now than it was even maybe like 10, 15 years ago or even, you know, like when we were younger in like middle school, high school time. So it definitely wasn't something that we shied away from. And it was interesting because I got kind of two different sides of it. At school, it was something that was very out in the open, but then I still got the abstinence only and more like negative and scare tactic message from my church community. And yeah, I mean, a lot of my friends in high school were having sex, but there were also a ton that weren't, but at least everybody had some level of information and education about it. And I mean, it's funny because I don't think I had any friends or classmates in high school who had like unexpected pregnancies or other serious issues related to having sex in high school, but I for sure had a good handful of them in my church community. And I think it would be naive to say that there's no connection between lack of education and outcomes. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I remember getting the sex talk from my mom. I was probably like (laughs) 12 so this is so interesting. I'm sorry. I, I totally interrupted you. Go ahead. No, go for it. Well, it's so interesting. We're talking about this because just today, my wife texted me saying, I need to have the sex talk with my boys. <laughs> They're asking questions or whatever. And yeah. my wife started to panic. She's like, nope, this is on you. <laughs> so I think next week I'm actually going to take them out. We'll go to Starbucks or something and we'll have the sex talk. And anyway, so nice. Yes. I, now I'm on the other side of that. Yeah. It was not a good experience. It was like <laughs> summertime. Um, Dr. James Dobson was on the radio and she was braiding my hair. So there was no place for me to go. Yeah, yeah. You're stuck. And <laughs> I was stuck for quite a long time. And it was just like so very, very black and white. But I was like, I knew what she was talking about, but I also didn't. And so... That was like the first day and last time that we talked about it. And then in high school, I went to a public school, but um, it was still, you know, like sex education, sorry, sex education was informational, but they weren't like in the the movie Mean Girls, whenever the gym teacher's like, here's a bunch of condoms, like go have fun. (laughs) It was not like that (laughs) at all. Um, But it was... When I got to college, um, where I'm at this like very conservative Christian college, um, one of the elective classes that she could take was called human sexuality. And I took it was that class. 
It's amazing. Yes, everyone loved it. And not for the reason that like you're thinking, no. but like the professor was so good. And I think he was one of the first people that actually talked about sexuality, not yep. just the act of having sex. Right. And, you know, when you're in college, that's something that you're probably wrestling with and right. trying to come to terms with, especially if you're in a relationship or anything like that. Um, and so I think it just set the tone for me to be comfortable with my sexuality as a woman. And I had never really been given like, like a permission. little bit, but like, yes, to, to finally have permission for that and to not be afraid of it. Um, whereas like growing up, that was a lot of the conversation. Either you didn't talk about it or right. if you did, it was kind of in a different, like more educational. This is just how... Yeah, this is like the biology of it. The right. biology, yeah, so, not the other parts that come along with sex. Right. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if this was your professor, but for me, it was Dr. Coombs and mad love for Dr. Coombs because, yeah, I, I agree. I took that same class and it was interesting. I took it with my future wife and, you know, together and and it was good because it created an opportunity to talk about it. So, yeah, education mm -hmm. is for me and as I have been a youth pastor for what seems like forever is just intentionally creating space to talk about it, um, not in the, in the sense of fear mongering and don't do, don't do, don't do because it's, you know, you will end up like a broken rose. Or die. Right, or die, right. For me, girls. <laughs> As, as a Jesus follower, I believe Jesus wants us to live a full and abundant life. And walking with Jesus and biblical teachings, it's just practical, healthy, helpful advice. It, it just is, right? It's not about the do's and the don'ts. And if you do it like this or you don't do it like that, then you're going to be saved. It's not like some magical equation. It's just helpful advice to being better at life and having life be better. So yeah, creating safe space just to talk about it, I think is huge. Yeah. So I think what probably a large majority of us young adults that have experienced actually the toxicity of mm. this purity culture. Um, and I think, I think that the culture like within Christianity had good intentions, but the way that it like went about and whatnot, I think really caused some issues. And three of those things are um, virginity as identity, um, the female responsibility, and then like broken promises that come along with saving yourself for marriage. Um, so this, this idea of virginity as your identity, um, I think has been pushed so far, which it is biblical to sure. right, but for it to be like your sole identity is so toxic, especially for women. Um, in right. like that, I am either a virgin or I'm not. Period. That's it. And if you're not, then you're not a good person. Yeah, you're like going to hell. Yeah. Yeah, and I yeah I agree. For the record, I'm promoting not just going out and having sex all the time. Uh, but I do think we need to be careful, especially as we're talking about uh, purity culture. And, and this whole idea was, and again, I'm not, I, I haven't really seen it recently. I think it's been probably 10-ish years. But for a while there, like, having like an engagement ring or some sort of ring, like a purity ring was like a thing. And it's like, no, I am, I am, I don't, I'm not going to date men or boys. I am dating God. And it, which sounds nice and, and cute 
but it almost elevates this whole idea of pledging virginity as really only it's be it's second only to giving your life to God in baptism. And so it's like this great virginity is connected to to your worth. And I just think that is so hurtful. Mm. Yeah, I think that the conversation is like, okay, going into marriage, you need to be a virgin. And and marriage is already put in the Christian culture, I think, um, on a pedestal. And then to be a virgin going into marriage is like on another yeah. on another level. Um, it's like the honor Christian. Yeah, Christian, yeah. Right? And that's the ultimate thing that you can bring into marriage, which doesn't include emotional, spiritual, or mental health, which I think we're all starting to see as something that obviously is like very important. So in this, in, the, in another book, that that I was reading um, and doing research for this topic. Um, this author, uh, Rachel Joy Welcher, uh, her book is called T- Talking Back to Purity Culture. Um, she says, virginity as identity has caused some to experience unnecessary guilt and confusion when they finally experience sex and marriage. If you've listened to people talk about growing up in purity culture for any length of time, you've probably heard the light switch analogy, which we talked a little bit about at the beginning of the show, that it's this expectation that one can transition from being completely virginal to sexually uninhibited on their honeymoon as quickly as flipping a light switch. Um, But many Christians have struggled to find the light switch, especially those who saw virginity as part of their identity. Um, And the book goes on to explain, which I I actually loved this show. Danielle, did you watch uh, Jane the Virgin? Oh, yes. It was great. One of my faves. So it's this great... I've never heard of it. Dramedy. It's like a telenovela and it follows Jane, who's the main character, grew up in a like single mom and grandparent home, um, very strict Catholic grandmother who like had this whole virginity as identity thing. Like she needed to save her marriage or save her virginity for marriage. And so it was like this whole thing. And um, in the first episode, some like... She accidentally gets inseminated, and so she's pregnant. And so it's just like this story. It's it's wild, but like if you know what a telenovela is, then you know that this follows that line of thought. Um, but once her and her husband finally have sex, instead of feeling joy, like in this episode, the writers talk about or at least write for her character that she feels really disconnected from herself and wonders who she is now that she's not a virgin. Yeah. And I think um, that's something that is so damaging and toxic about the whole idea of virginity as identity is that for those who don't go into their marriage as Mm. virgins, it's hard to feel like you've succeeded or done it right and it's easy to feel like you're not worth as much as somebody who did and it's important for people to know that you're not broken or less valuable because Mm. of that like is there value like what Jason was saying is there value in saving that part of yourself to share with your partner absolutely like I personally believe that there is value in that but if that's not your situation or circumstance it's not like there's no hopeful you to hope for you to find a meaningful loving Christ-centered relationship if that's what you're looking for and you know like some people start their walk with Jesus later on in life after they've had sex some people just make decisions that they feel are right at the time like everyone has their own path and their own experiences but nobody should be made to feel like virginity is the only valuable or desirable thing that they can bring to a relationship or a marriage. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the reality is that if we look in Scripture, God never judges us based on our worst decision or our darkest day. I mean, we could just go through this massive study, like throughout the Scriptures, um, of all these biblical characters where, yeah, they made some terrible choices. I mean, maybe sexual, maybe not, but these were not always people walking around with halos, you know, just singing praises all the time. Like, there's some terrible characters that make some awful choices that really ruin lives and entire cities. Um, but yet the Bible still paints them in this light of, okay, maybe they had a really bad choice or they, they made a really bad choice. And that was a really dark and awful scene. But the reality is the scene is not that person's story. And we can see that throughout the scriptures. So yeah, maybe we've have made choices that we wish we could take back or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, our, a certain scene in our life isn't the story. And God never judges us based on one decision in a certain scene. Yeah. Another, um, I think, point to like the toxicity of purity culture is the notion of female responsibility. So a lot of the conversations around purity and modesty tend to revolve solely around women. Mm -hmm. And the sentiment is that like it's girls and women who have self-control or at least more self-control than boys I mean, and men. I think that's, I think that's actually true. So <laughs> they do have more self-control. That may be true, but then it's the women or girls' responsibility to be the guardians for both men and for women ourselves. Um, and and I think this is especially around the conversation of modesty. So mm. when it's talked about, right, it's like the conversation is so different instead of dress for your body type and figure out what that is. Even while it's changing through puberty, dress in what's comfortable. It's the conversations of don't wear spaghetti straps. Don't wear short dresses. Don't do all of this yeah, it's stuff. It's like a list of rules. Very much so because you know, you, the, this terminology, you could be a stumbling block for your Christian brothers, <laughs> um, which I think that like, the verse that is referenced, like, is totally taken out of context, 100%. which shouldn't be a surprise to us. Um, but, you know, even when women are sexually assaulted, mm. one of the first questions that, you know, maybe a police officer or, you know, a friend, family member, whatever, is, well, what were you wearing or what was she wearing? Like, that has nothing to do with the action that was... Um, taken place. And so I think that this rhetoric is really damaging to a woman's perception of themselves and what they can bring into a relationship or to ministry that like, I have this burden of the world on my shoulders where I'm trying to figure out my life, but then I also have to be responsible for sure. other people's actions that have nothing to do with me. Well, and in a sense, it's like an injustice because you are unfairly given an extra burden, right? To have to like carry around. And I don't think that the maybe unhealthy expectations on women end um, when they do enter marriages or committed relationships. I think that even within those marriages or relationships, there are still some unhealthy 
expectations that are maybe more specific to Christianity for women to always please or, Mm. you know, sexually serve their husbands. Like that's almost like their sole purpose Mm. in marriage. And I'm not saying that everyone feels this way. I don't, I don't believe that at all, but I think that that does still exist in certain communities and certain ideologies. And I mean, yes, sex is a healthy and necessary and beautiful part of marriage, but there the, the the necessity of having healthy expectations and understanding roles and being able to have those conversations so that women can know that they are more oh, than 100%. that and like that they have worth and value outside of that. Okay, don't worry, I'm not going to start preaching, but like I could talk so much about this, right? Because clearly, like in the scriptures, Moses in Genesis is very clear: one plus one equals one, right? So it's not that you know half plus half equals one, and it also is very clear that woman Eve was taken from man from the rib, right? So from the very beginning of humanity, there's clearly this uh, this thought that men and women are equal. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, period, right? There's no if ands or buts. No, men and women are equal, and so this whole idea of and this is one of the and maybe we'll talk about this later in our dating episode or porn episode or whatever. But that's one of the things I hate about porn and, and how we look at some of these situations, kind of like what you're saying, Danielle, is that we think, well, the woman is here to serve the man or is, you know, somehow is, is lower than the man. Well, really then what you're doing is you're objectifying that individual. You're not mm-hmm. seeing them as an equal human being made in the image of God. You see them as a tool for your own pleasure. That is... That's wrong, right? And and what I mean, don't worry, I'm not gonna start preaching. But like like to look at another human being who's made in the image of God, seeing them as a tool that is just there to make them happy. Wow, you got problems. Yeah, that, that doesn't sit well at no, all. It's ridiculous. <laughs> on on this side. Um, so one of the other, like the last thing um I think around the toxicity of purity culture is this, it's kind of like prosperity gospel, um, which the thought is that if you practice abstinence, you're a virgin, don't have sex, you get marriage and sex and children. And so, you know, like it's, it's this whole working towards this reward that you can get. And obviously this guarantee like isn't true. It's not actually a guarantee at all. And these promises that come about with purity culture leave out, leave people out of the conversation. Those mm. that are single, mm-hmm. um, those that have same-sex attraction, and those that can't actually have children. Mm. And so there's just so many damaging aspects, you know, of of this. Like I said, I think that it started off with good intentions mm-hmm. and then it kind of snowballed into this really unhealthy thing that I think a lot of us young adults are having to unpack some of this trauma and unlearn these truths right. that I have in quotation marks right. of what sex and, you know, what you can bring to a relationship, who you are and the beauty that all of that is surrounding you know, relationships and even your relationship with God. Yeah, no, 100%. Because I do think there there can be a connection. And I mean, and honestly, this is one reason why I'm super pumped to be a young adult pastor now. And we can, intent, like in this podcast, we can intentionally create space to have conversation, to talk about all these things. And honestly, to deconstruct 
some of the teachings mm-hmm. and, and rebuild it. Um, so with all that in mind, how, how do we have a healthy view of sex? I think first and foremost, we just need to start talking about it more um, and not just as a, you know, hot taboo topic and like a yeah. taboo series or something, but just to have honest conversations about what it is and what it brings to a relationship and why it should or shouldn't be kept within marriage, not just the don't do it kind of conversations, you know, just like what Jason said, creating a space where it can be something that's spoken about, whether it's within your spiritual community or just having friends that you can talk to about it. So it's not something that's just so in the shadows and shameful. And I think that it's important to note, this isn't just for people, you know, because we we talk about how, you know, in Christianity, it's something that is, you know, supposed to be kept within the context of marriage. But this conversation about sex and purity culture does not only affect that group. It affects single people. It affects people in dating relationships and it affects people in marriages as well. And so for the sake of all of those groups, I think it's important to start having more of these healthy conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Because what happens if we don't talk about it? And we just, like you were already saying earlier, Danielle, like we just sweep it under the rug or whatever. And I think ultimately what we believe about really any topic, but specifically about sex, what we believe dictates our desires, which directly affects our actions. So unless we talk about it, like our belief system is going to be, you know, a jar or we're going to think a certain way, which is going to make us want certain things which will lead to certain actions and and which could lead to you know to to a harsher reality than if we took some time to intentionally process have conversation out loud so that we can understand what we believe about this stuff and why um I, ultimately i think it can lead to better choices yeah so the way that sex is talked about in church i think is really damaging to young adults especially to those who aren't in relationships because it because the church puts the emphasis on like what they don't get to experience. And once they meet someone, then without looking deeper as to why they would want to be in relationship with someone, it's again, it's like that immediate, like, well, I'm physically attracted to them. So yeah. Boom. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's almost like we reduce each other to a product. Um, and, and then we kind of look at, we look at dating or potential people to date. We, we more look for characteristics instead of their character. And yeah, we need to spend more time, I think, looking deeper and understanding their character. But, and that starts by having open, honest conversation. As a married person, in my experience, you know, on top of like what we talked about with, um, you know, maybe not having clear expectations or not necessarily knowing like why you're getting into relationships. Like that wasn't necessarily my experience, but what was my experience is that just the stigma and connotations surrounding sex can be really damaging even once you're in a healthy and loving marriage relationship. Because I think so many young people are taught for the majority of their teenage and young adult years that anything sexual is wrong or dirty or taboo or shameful or whatever when it's outside the context of marriage. And then even once people are in healthy, loving relationships where sex is quote unquote okay, it can be hard to, like you said earlier, flip that switch in your mind. 
um, to say this is no longer wrong or dirty or shameful. And this can create a huge mental block and cause people to be really in their heads about it and can really be a hindrance for healthy sexuality even within marriage. And that was something that I had to, you know, kind of get over because of growing up in purity culture. Mm-hmm. But within a, a beautiful marriage, right, you can have space to talk about it. Oh, absolutely. And, and to move past and, and to move yeah. forward. But honestly, I, I do think I do a decent amount of, of counseling, either personally or, you know, a, a one-on-one counseling situation or with couples. And what you're describing is fairly common. It, it just, it really is. And that's something I didn't realize until I was in a marriage and had more open conversations with some of my other married friends about mm. it. And I was like, oh. Interesting. Yeah. Not just me. Cool. There's so much research out there about, you know, how I think what people's expectations are around sex. And then it's like the expectations versus uh, reality meme. Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Of of what what it is. And, you know, like like the the light switch that it's just this automatic pleasurable thing and f- actually for a lot of women it's not right and there isn't i think enough talk about that and kind of laying the expectations of like you're going to have to work at it and it's not something that you're like automatically good at which yeah, is yeah. okay because it's going to be awkward at first let's just <laughs> own it it's going to be awkward right and you're going to have to figure it out. Right. And there's beauty in being sure. able to do that and figure it out with the person that you, you know, are in a loving relationship with. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, we'll have to talk about this later, but I think, and now I'm going to sound like the angry old man. Honestly, I bring blame porn for a lot of this. I just, I just do. Uh, when, when, especially I'll just talk to all the brothers out there, like when the brothers are looking at porn and that gives them this idea of what it's quote unquote supposed to be like, and, and then they're just comparing. And, and that is, again, talking about injustice and, and women having to carry an extra burden, the whole objectification, I just, I just hate it all. And I think we just, especially the brothers, but I think we need to have a, an honest conversation about not just how porn is bad. Okay, that's that's not the message. The message is how it can truly be damaging and hurtful for people in your life. It, it not, it's not just something that will, you know, that will affect you today, but it will affect you in the future, or at least it could. Yes. And sorry, I was just gonna say, I just it just makes me think like we as a faith community count on each other for support in so many different areas. Oh, so true. And I just wonder how beautiful and positive it could be if this was an area where we too could count on each other for mm. growth and support and understanding mm-hmm. and just like help navigating what is a very avoided topic. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. So when we avoid these conversations around sex, I think it allows what lives in the shadows to continue living there and especially letting shame hold people there in the shadows. Mm. Um, As a church, I think not only do we need to be a community where we can learn and grow and be a safe space for one another, but in that, I think that we need to talk about the hard stuff too, like sexual assault, sexual abuse, mm. pornography, and we need to talk about what human sexuality is, right? Especially 
for the younger generation that's coming up in the world that they are. Like, I can't even imagine what, like having the accessibility with Snapchat and the internet and all that sort of stuff, like it's out of control. Um, And I think that they're obvious, not I think, I know that there are parameters in which, you know, we should live our lives as Christ followers, but we cannot avoid the conversations and then expect people to have amazing, healthy relationships. And that really can be said about a lot of things. And that's kind of something that I've really appreciated. And we've talked about before of like the point of having this podcast Mm -hmm. is bringing things to light, talking about hard stuff and giving people a point of starting to have conversations around some of the stuff that is uncomfortable. Right, because we're not going to have all the answers. Hopefully we can just serve as a springboard for other conversation. And I hope that we can even be an example of like, Lauren and I are two young adult women and Jason is our pastor. Mm -hmm. And obviously we talked about a lot more than just what we've presented to you guys today in planning for this episode. And even just being able to step into the fact that this was not a shameful conversation and this was not a awkward or like taboo conversation. Like we were able to just talk Mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is ultimately what we want for, for people. Yeah, for sure. I also just think, you know, the more ways that we can talk about sex in a healthy way, we're breaking the stigma around it and we are not allowing it to be shameful. Um, there's so much talk about, you know, shame and vulnerability. Shout out to Brene Brown. I love her. Um, but ultimately, in case you guys needed to be reminded, like God created sex Mm -hmm. in the story, you know, at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, they're walking around in the garden of Eden naked, but naked, (laughs) enjoying one another's company and having lots of sex. And in the context of like those verses, like God said that it was good. So I'm not saying to go and, you know, have sex with whomever, but know that it is something that God created. And I think that sometimes we forget about that when we talk about it and we talk more about what you shouldn't do until you get married to then get to, you know, experience, um, the, the beautifulness that God created. Um, so thank you guys for joining me in this conversation. Again, I can't stress enough how, um, important, um, it's been and how, uh, healing it has also been just to have like a vulnerable conversation, um, around it with you guys, even as like Danielle's talking about planning out this episode, we even laughed a little bit. (laughs) Tune in next week for another episode in our somewhere in between series, where we talk about music and worship and just how that has um, affected two really special people. We're going to have two more guests on our podcast, which we're super excited about. We're actually going to also have our first virtual guest. So we are going international, guys. Just super exciting. Um, But thanks for joining us, and uh, come back again next week. Special thanks to our audio engineer, Alan Clark. Music throughout this episode is by Common Man Music. Special thank you to Judah and the Lion and the All-American Rejects. If you like what you've been hearing, tell your friends. If you'd like to connect with any of us, follow us on Instagram at We're the Outsiders Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Bye.